We've all got that voice in our head that tells us we can't do stuff. But I think that some people are just better at maybe not listening to it. And by sitting down with those people, asking them questions, and then you know, recording it and blasting it out on the internet, perhaps, maybe, I can help other people like me get out of our own way. Hey guys, welcome back to Closure Optional. My guest this week is John Wayne Parr. He is a absolutely legendary Muay Thai fighter out of Australia, uh, via Thailand, via Australia. He is a 10-time world champion Muay Thai fighter and kickboxer. He's also had a bunch of boxing fights. He fights in action movies. He's got a documentary called Blessed with Venom, which is on YouTube and anyone can watch it and I highly recommend it. I can't believe that I've been living in this country for as long as I have and known about John Wayne Parr my whole experience of Muay Thai and never watched this documentary. It's fucking awesome. It's about an hour and a little bit long and it's um, just a great insight into the sport of Muay Thai, into the history of what he had to do and what he did to get where he got and where he's gone in the future. He owns Boonchu Gym, which is uh, in Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Uh, I've fought a bunch of their fighters. They're good fighters coming out of that gym. Good people. And uh, he runs that with his wife, Angie, who's also um, a really amazing Muay Thai fighter and a good person. Um, this is a great conversation about the insights into what it is to be a fighter at that level and also some of the feelings that he had, some of the doubts and fears and how he got past it and just some really great stories about Thailand and what it takes to become a legendary Muay Thai fighter. I apologize in advance. I've got a little bit of a cold and um, I sound a little bit like a snotty kid for this whole conversation. I'm not really in control of what my body chooses to do and... I'm not really sure why I'm apologizing except for that I get really frustrated when I'm not exactly perfect, which is like 99% of my life. So, you know, I, I suppose I just constantly live in a state of frustration. Either way, I apologize for my snotty nose, okay? Hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Hope you have a good week. And next week we'll be back with a very cool guest. Her name is Caitlin and she creates fractal art. If you don't know anything about that or don't give a shit, then maybe it's a fun conversation for you. But until then, please enjoy John Wayne Park. Hello, Wayne. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi. <laughs> Welcome to my podcast. Uh, thank you for inviting me. This is uh, very cool. Yeah, man. Well, um, it's funny because I see you around at the shows constantly and we never have a proper chance to just sit down. The best thing about this and my favorite thing is just you can sit in a room with a person and flush out as much shit as you want yeah. to for as long as it takes. Yeah. It's the best thing ever. I think um, my feeling is that humans in general, we've just forgotten how to sit down and talk shit with each other. Yes. Yeah. No, and I, um, I don't mind telling the war stories, the live in the past. Yeah, that's, man. that's all I've got. Someone said something that day on Instagram saying, "Oh, you're having a midlife crisis." Yeah, that's, uh, that's all I got now is in my memories, and uh, <laughs> I've, I've been very fortunate to do so much and and to look back. Uh, 
hopefully my stories can inspire the younger kids of this generation to to go to the next level and try and push themselves to hopefully achieve what I've achieved as well. Yeah, fuck yeah. Well, it's a heavy bar to set, man. <laughs> we were just talking about that just before we started because, Jazzy, your daughter said that she wanted more belts than you, right? Yeah, little shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, no. yeah, I mean, that's a fucking big task. You've yeah. done an amazing thing so far. Oh, no, thank you. Uh, I was very fortunate uh, to be... Uh, Richard Vell from the Bunji restaurant. To, but I was a 19-year-old kid, and he, he took me under his wing. Yeah. Um, he gave me the opportunity to, to live and train in Thailand. Um, and then my main goal was just to make him proud of me. So, um, yeah, imagine being a, a kid. and You're a Thai. He's, I'm an Aussie. He, he's a Thai. I'm an Aussie. And then, um, all right, I believe in this Aussie kid to, to make it all the way. And then, yeah, he backed me, bought my tickets, uh, found me a camp. And then, yeah, it's, um, and then even to this day, I'll, I'll go to the restaurant a couple of times a week just to say good day. And he said, it, it's both ways. It's not just I helped you, you helped me too, because the restaurant's um, flourishing. And yeah, I've got yeah. all the memories on the, on the walls. People come in always asking questions, always asking about uh, the gym and, and myself. So, so it's, we compliment each other. Yeah. What do you think it was in you that he saw? Oh, I have no idea. Um, just the passion, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I lived in Surface when he had his restaurant in Surface. So it was only a 15-minute walk. So I'd, I'd wake up. Um, I'd walk to his shop. I'd just sit in his kitchen and listen to him tell stories about Thailand. And, and, and as a 19-year-old, it was, it was this mystical place that um, all these Thai boxes and they were just men of men, men of warriors of uh, this far, far away land. Yeah. And then um, he just built it up to be this enigma almost yeah and then when i had a, a really hard fight for the south pacific title i got knocked down in the second and then richie coming to the up onto the ring end of the second round and grabbed me by the hair and shook my head what are you doing i need you to win and uh in the inside i i, I was crying on the inside because i i was disappointed in him because the, the, i didn't want to lose and I, I got super angry and ended up knocking the, the my opponent out in the fifth round Fuck. so i won the south pacific title and then the next day I took the belt down to the restaurant to celebrate. Richard, we did it. We did it. And that's when he he, he sat me down. He said, look, I want to have a serious chat with you. Um, how would you like to go to Thailand and, and learn from the Thais, learn from the best? Wow. I said, I, I'd love to. That'd be amazing. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. If, if you can organize your passport, I'll do the rest. Fine. So, all right. So um, I went to the post office. I posted the passport application away. It arrived a week later. Went down to the restaurant all excited. Hey, Richard, I got my passport. And then just like a proud father, he grabbed me by the wrist and he started me dragging me down the street uh, until we got to the travel agent. And then we, we sat down and then he said to the travel agent lady, he said, oh, I need a, a six-month open ticket. Um, and then he looked at me and he said, yeah, you have to promise me um, you're not going to come back for six months. You're going to have to stay there the whole time. If you come back within six months, um, mine and your relationship is over. So, oh, oh, wow. I can do six months. Yeah, I can do six months. I can do six months. To be a fighter, to be the best, I I can do six months easy. So, um, yeah, before I knew it, I was on the plane as a 19-year-old kid with no idea where I was going. First time overseas. Wow. Uh, And then I I got to the the camp that I was staying, got introduced to everybody. And then, uh, yeah, I had to share a bed with uh, Rich's brother. For the first three months, a double bed with another bloke. <laughs> for three yeah. So, so oh he, he was a big set man too. He was about 80, 90 kilos. And uh, we shared a double bed. And so he took up three quarters of the bed and I had one quarter of it <laughs> sort of against the wall. And he used to snore like a freight train as well. Oh, so he used to be terrible. Man. And then, 
yeah, it was pretty rough. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I trained in uh, Padia, which was um, lots of Westerners. The camp I was training at, at Sijitong, it, it was okay, but I wasn't learning. Um, there were so many Westerners that would come for a week, they'd go home, and then another, another week the new lot of Westerners would come. And you don't just end up on the bag all afternoon by yourself. You might get three rounds on the pads, and after three months getting three rounds, three rounds, three rounds, and just not learning, um, I just got over it. I wanted to change camps. I told Richard I wasn't happy. And it just so happened, uh, Sang Tenoy, the superstar at Thailand at the time, mm. um, he came to a, the Gold Coast to have a fight. And Richard being Richard, he, he liked to uh, give the Thais the, um, a bit of hospitality. So he go to the hotels and he'd take them food and um, oh, take cool. them jeans and aftershave and sunglasses and just to show them um, a good time. Mm. So... Uh, at the end of it, he said, hey, look, I've got this Westerner kid in Thailand at the moment. Um, is there any chance he could come to your gym and train? And the Westerner, the, the Thai's like, nah, we don't, we don't like Westerners. We don't yeah. like Westerners because if we, if we start teaching Westerners our secrets, then they're going to start beating us at our own sport. And they're like, oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. So after sort of begging them for a bit, they finally decided, okay, yep, we'll look after him. So um, I was at the camp and the next minute we get a knock on the door and it's Sang Tenoy, the, the superstar. Wow. I was like, damn. He's like, hey, pack your bags. You're coming with me. I was like, oh, okay. So, yeah, jump in a car, it's a taxi ride all the way back to Bangkok. And then um, now now we're in real Thailand. So now uh, there's a hole on the floor, a little porcelain um, toilet that you have to squat over to do your number ones and number twos. Um, there's no toilet paper. There's no hose. It's just a, a bucket. So, so to go to the toilet, you'd have to um, grab this bucket, pour water in your hand, and, and, and wash your, 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 your butt. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> oh my God. So, the boys are just uh, over there. Uh, Carl's been training at St. Tien's. Oh, yep. Oh, man. Yeah, he, like Blair went over with Carl for the first because he was in the same situation. He's okay. 17 year old. Oh, no, he's, how old is he now? 16, I think. 16, yep. Um, just gone over to Thailand. It was the first time overseas. And so Blair went with him for the first three weeks of it. And he came home. He was like, fuck, I was happy. Yeah. <laughs> because it was just hard work. He said it's still just as old school as possible. And this was how many years ago? That this you was went? 96. Jesus. Yeah. So imagine so. how much the, <laughs> he's yeah. just lost in time. So, so yeah, wow, you, got the, rough, you got the water in the hand. So, so listen, to give you the scenario, um, there's about... 15 boxes at the camp and uh, so you all sleep in the bedroom and you sleep on the floor side by side um, like a like a dorm so yeah. no no beds just wooden floor so I, I put down my doona as a, a mattress sleep on top of a doona and then um, yeah so for the bathroom arrangement so you've got this one little bucket that gets floats on top of this um, water basin so you get the water you wipe your bum and then you use the, the same basin to, to, to when you have a shower you stand on the outside you splash your body, you, you lather up with soap, then you splash the water off. And then when you want to brush your teeth, um, you have to um, use the same basin to pour water in your hand to rinse your mouth out. <laughs> so there's one one little plastic container that you're sharing for, for pooping, showering, and brushing your teeth with, with 15 other guys. So the hygiene's probably not the, the not specialty. The <laughs> it's not the specialty, but at the same time, it, it makes you tough. It makes you strong. Yeah, and then, and then sleeping on the floor. Um, but you're always on. There's no, no furniture, no TV, no radio. No, no. There was no such thing as mobile phones or computers back then either. Uh, yeah. There was no emails. There was none, none of that business. Um, if I want to talk to mum, I'd have to write a, a note, go to the post oh. office, send a net letter. And then it was it was a two week before it would get a return, so a week there, a week back. And if I wanted to ring mum or or anybody, um, 
you'd have to buy phone cards. And back then it was like $30, $50, and it was only like for five minutes, 30 bucks for five minutes. <sighs> so I couldn't ring mum barely ever because I was, I was making – I was trying to live off my prize money, which is barely nothing back then. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely a, a different Wow, world. man. And That's then, an incredible experience. For yeah, so, so so ninety six. Um, so the, it was it was six months at the start. So I did the six months, came back to Australia. I think I, I had five fights for five wins, four knockouts. Good. I was, I was very stoked. So I got back to the restaurant, um, and then I got a job at Richard's Restaurant, just washing dishes, picking up plates, washing glasses. Yeah. And then uh, out of the blue, the the Thai camp rang up Richard again, saying, "Hey, look, we really believe that kid's got a big future here in Thailand. Um, is there any chance you can send him back again?" So Richard gets me to sit down once again. Hey, you want to go back to Thailand? <laughs> oh, yeah, I love Thailand. That'd be amazing. So grabs me by the hand again. We walk to the same travel agent. <laughs> I want one year open ticket. Okay, you got to promise me one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know the deal. I know the deal. Don't, don't come back. I know the deal. So I can do one year, no problem. What made you want to stay, even though, like, it's hard like that? Did you have moments where you were in Thailand at those six months just going, fuck this, I got to get out? Or did you just become accustomed to it? Mm, half and half. So yeah, true. The, the training was so hard. The, we'd do three hours in the morning, uh, we'd rest during the day, and then uh, three, three and a half hours in the afternoon. Wow. And then that was, uh, sometimes it was six days a week, sometimes it was seven days a week, depending on the trainers, how we wanted the, the how close the fight was. Yeah. Uh, and then there'd be times where I just like I'm, I can't do this. I'm I'm burnt out. I want to go home. Yeah. I'll just I'll just finish this fight that I got coming up, and then after that I'll see what happens. And then I, I have my fight. I get my ma- picture all over the magazines and in the newspapers. It's like, damn it, I'm famous. This is, this is amazing. <laughs> I can't wait for my next fight. And that would inspire me to stay again. And then halfway through the next camp, ah, oh, I'm burnt out. I'm over this. And then I'd have my fire and I'd bet in the magazines again. It's like, damn it, I'm famous. This is awesome. <laughs> this is so cool. So, yeah, it was a, such a yeah, rough circle. Um, well, that's kind of the amazing thing about fighting is that, like, it is such fucking hard work to get prepared for it. And, and all the time, like, I mean, I've got no idea to the level that you've got, but you work that hard for that fight camp. And by the end of it, you are so fucking tired. Mm. And you're just like, all right, just get it done. And as soon as it's over, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> why I do this. <laughs> Like, and it is nice to have that feedback loop. It's like one of the most clean, clear cut things to me. If you put in the work, you'll get to the end of it and you're going to do great. Whether you win or lose, it doesn't matter. You put in the work and you show up on that day, you're going to get that feeling of like, fuck, I did this. I did it. And imagine that then also getting all of the, you know, getting the feedback from the people around you as well, that everyone around you is going, this guy's got a potential future, you know, that's fucking pretty because you need that. You kind of do constantly need that to keep pushing forward. Cause a lot of times it's like, what the fuck am I doing this for? And then to give you in the scenario, when you go to the stadium, you're the only white guy. Oh wow. So this is, this is before the Western influence. When I was there, there wasn't many Westerners. And to tell you the truth, um, my trainers used to tell me, um, I was the first Westerner to live full time in Thailand, just to train, live in a camp. Um, back then, the, the Westerners would come for a week, have their fight, then they go home straight home. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was the first Westerner ever to to live there full time for like four years nonstop, and just be on the scene constantly. So my face was like constantly in the magazines, constantly yeah, on the well. TV. Um, yeah. So, and now I think I sort of it was a bit of a pioneer. And now Westerners are staying there three, four, five, six years all the time now. So to be the first guy, I feel very happy that I could help inspire the younger guys yeah, to, to, go, to want to live that Muay Thai dream. So, yeah, but uh, like I was saying, um, 
when I was first starting out, you, you go to the stadiums and um, you being the only Westerner, you and then to, to be the fighter too, everyone would just look at you going, is he really going to get in there? Yeah. Does he really want to go and embarrass himself? <laughs> and then... Uh, were you ever afraid you were going to embarrass yourself? Did, you, did it ever cross your mind? Like, uh, what the fuck am I over my, in over my head? Uh, nervous. N- uh, exciting, nervous sort of thing. Yeah. So the, the ties, um, they have no regard for your um, your private space sort of thing. So they they come in and they they feel your arms and just without even saying a word they just look you up and down, give you a smile, walk away, and then because you know they're betting on you as well. Oh yeah, true. So am I gonna am I gonna waste my money? <laughs> and then uh, uh, halfway through the fight, when you when you when you can hear the the crowd start turning and start cheering for you after every technique that you throw, you're just getting that that to oi oi, yeah. and it's like I've, I've got them, I'm, they're on my side now, and and that and no matter how tired you are, they don't inspire you to to lift. Um, and then, yeah, I was very lucky. That, so I won the first five, and then the next year I won my next four straight, and that's when I started fighting on, on Thai TV. And um, after my ninth straight win, um, I got to be the, the very first Westerner to make the front cover of the magazine. Wow. So I remember they, I won my, my, my ninth one at Lumpini, my second-round knockout. And then the, the magazine, hey, want to do a story on John Wayne? I think, oh, beautiful. How good is this? So the reporters come to the camp. We went out into the to one of the um, areas where we used to run, where there was waterfalls and all this other nice background. And then, as the photographer's taking pictures, he's going, "Okay, I need you to look really, really strong because this is for the front cover." I'm like, "What?" Oh, and he shit. goes, "Oh, you didn't know? Yeah, this is for the cover." And I said, like, "Holy shit! Holy <laughs> shit!" So then, um, yeah, we finish up. Uh, they do the story a week later. Um, I, I, I rush down to the the news agent every time, and then, uh, sure enough. There's his, uh, the magazine, front cover looks insane, the two-page article on, on the history and everything else. And then for that next, uh, like, four or five days, we catch the buses. And, and because there's so many outdoor news agents, they, they just hang the magazines outside. So you drive along the street, and like, there's my magazine, there's my magazine. Next oh shot, there's God. my magazine. Holy <laughs> crap, there's my magazine. Did you ever feel like you were just kind of, like, in disbelief that people were paying this much attention to you? Oh, just at the time. No, I was just rolling with it at the time. It's like, just, this is crazy. Yeah. Look, looking back, it was it's such a, it's it's so much fun to look back and think, wow, what a crazy time. But at, at the time, it just, just, it was just rolling. It was just yeah, like, this is cool. Did then, you ever feel like you were worried that you were going to, like, buy into your own bullshit, you know what I mean, and think you were king shit from oh, that? Oh, no, no, never. Because you're in Thailand, and then everyone's a killer. So yeah. even even going to, to Lumpini, you're looking at these guys going, "There's no way I can fight these guys." The guys in the main event, they're they're cut and they're bleeding and they're tired, and, but they're so strong and they don't get tired. They don't. Wow. They're that. They're, they're just like robots, um, robot warriors. And then right. a, a couple of years later, all of a sudden, I'm getting told, "Oh, you're going to fight that guy." And it's like, no. <laughs> no. So so yeah. So here we go. So I made the front cover, and then one. Probably the next weekend we're watching the, the, the fights on TV and then that they were announcing a show that coming up in a month's time. They said, oh, we've got this guy with this guy, this guy with this guy. Um, John Wayne's going to be fighting Orono. And then all the ties just stopped and stared at me straight away. And I'm like, what? And they said, you're fighting Orono. And I'm like, all right, Orono, no worries. I've already beaten nine, fight, nine ties off. I'm... And they're going, you don't understand. This is Orono. <laughs> oh, and so, my God. Yeah, even because Sang Ten fought Orono like six, seven times. And like, oh. so this is next level. This is like the AAA class. Oh, fuck. I'm going, oh, shit. Okay, yeah, no worries. But at this, I had sort of a bit of a confidence behind myself. 
Um, yeah, so the fight came. The first half of the round, Orono's not really doing much. And then uh, round two, he starts unleashing with the elbows and ends up cutting me all the way through one side of my eyebrow. Fuck. And then um, another 30 seconds later, he cuts me another one underneath my eye. So now I've got two massive cuts. And then the fights get stopped round three from, um, yeah, the blood's too bad and I can't yeah. see from the blood and blah, blah, blah. Oh, shit. So then I'm begging. Oh, I'll, I'll take it back just a fraction. So um, in the change room, I'm getting ready. I get my hands wrapped. And then um, the promoter, Song Chai, walked into the room and goes, hey, John Wayne. Uh, today, if you beat Orono, your next fight's going to be for a Lumpini title. And it's like, no way, really? He goes, I give you my word. If you can beat Orono today, first one's for, uh, next one's a Lumpini title. So, Holy shit, okay, no worries. I got so, yes, this. I got this, but um, I'd cut so much weight. I'd cut about seven, eight kilos, and it was uh, eight o'clock weigh-in, and the show started at three in the afternoon. Oh, no, yeah, so on you, the same day. Yeah, so usually, usually uh, in Thailand, you're, you're weighing at eight, but then you're not fighting until 10, 30, 9, 10 that night. But this was my first time I'd fought in uh, mid-afternoon. And uh, because we were fighting at another stadium that we hadn't fought before, we didn't know where the hotel was, we didn't know where to eat, so we're driving around, wasting time, looking for somewhere to rest for the, until the show started, and oh, we no. wasted so much time that I only had time for one plate of rice. So halfway through the fight, um, Orono threw me down in the clinch, and as I stood up, I just felt all my energy just go, Woof. Oh, <laughs> Ooh. God. And then, uh, and then Orono is the first person that in the clinch, um, I could hear him growling in my ear. <laughs> So I've never had anyone growl at me before, and it just sort of gave me like the heebie-jeebies. If I say oh, this I guy is crazy, I'm not fighting. I'm not, going, I'm not fighting a normal person. This isn't. This is next level. Um, he really wants to hurt me. And wow. then after he cut me, um, there must be a nerve ending that goes through your eyebrow because it's the first time. If, if you get cut, usually twenty seconds later, the, the pain goes away and your like, adrenaline kicks in and you yeah. can concentrate on what you're doing. But this was the first time that uh, the pain was just like buzzing in my eye the whole time. I'm standing there and my just like the pain was just got more and more intense. Oh, and then fuck. um then he cuts me again. So the fight gets stopped and it's like, oh man. Um oh, and that and then after the fight I'm begging with Song Oh please let me rematch or oh, no, please, please I know I can beat him. I, I this I just had an off day. And he's like, okay, we need you to um, to work back up the rating, uh, the the rankings again, because um, at that stage I was num- I was ranked number four at Lumpini at uh, 147 pounds, and then after Orono beat me, I slid down the ladder a little bit, and then okay, I need you to fight his teammate uh, Nintagan, um, who was pretty high ranked at that stage as well. So, and then from that moment on, um, once I reached the A class guys, then I was like win some, lose some, win some, lose some for a yeah. few years. Um, it wasn't until I came back to Australia, because I'd been in Thailand for so long. Um, I started doing the two tie. I started relying on my kicks, and then I forgot about my hands, and that was what oh, was, that was winning my my fights in the early stages. But because I'd been there for so long, I was, the the ties like kick, 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 kick. Mm. Um, so I came back to Australia. I ended up becoming um, good friends with a gentleman here, um, Paul Briggs. Uh, and then he oh gave, yeah, Richie talked about that because yeah, he so, was training with him at that time, right? Yeah, so he gave, yeah. Oh, before then even. Um, so Paul moved to the coast. He lived at my house. Mm. Started training at the gym, and then um, he just opened up a, a new uh, way of thinking about using my hands, getting my hands. And because um, he was he a traditional boxer first, uh, Muay Thai. Oh, he was too. Okay, yeah. So he was he was like the. F- um, the f- he was like a teen superstar when he was a teenager. He was beating men. Wow. And, and then, um, and he was my inspiration because he was a year older than me, fighting men and beating men and knocking men out. And, and, Jesus. Um, 
So he won our world title, doing it the old-fashioned way, number 10 fights number 9, number 9 fights number 8, number 8 fights number 7, worked oh. all his way up to fight for the world title. And then um, and then when I came back from Thailand, uh, all of a sudden um, we become friends. It's like, oh, this is a guy that inspired me and now, now we're buddies. And then um, just gave me a different way of thinking as well. It's like, okay, why, why are we doing this? We're doing this because we love it. It's not because we're scared or we're doing this because we can't wait to get in there and, and dominate. Yeah, and then that gave me another self belief in myself. So now I've got I'm I'm gonna start using my hands more. Um, so yeah, so then the year two thousand comes, and then uh, the opportunity to, to to fight on the king's birthday. So this is my second king's birthday. Uh, so what happens? Uh, there's uh, the king of Thailand, of course. So it's his, it's his birthday, and to celebrate, they they there's this big park in the middle of Thailand. Um, are you familiar with, with the movie Kickboxer? Yes. So you know at the start where they're doing pads in the park. Yes. And then so that's the park where they, they hold oh, the king's wow. birthday. Yeah. Wow. So it's right in front of the, the big temples there and they put a ring in the middle and then people come from all over Thailand to come and celebrate the king's birthday. So there's fireworks, the king does a he does a he drives by in his in his in the Rolls Royce and he, he waves to the fans or everyone's on the oh, streets shit. and and then once he goes past in um Everyone has a yellow candle. They all light a yellow candle and sing the king's birthday, sing, sing um, the national anthem, the king's national anthem. And then, uh, then the festivities start. So you've got the Thai boxing in the middle. Over here you might have a concert. Over here you might have a um, dancing, Thai dancing sort of show. Over here is something else. But it, it's a massive celebration. Right. Um, so, yeah, so, so the day before, sorry, the day before the king's birthday, I'm supposed to fight this other Thai who's a right-hander. Orthodox guy, and then get to the weigh-in, and Song Choi's like, "Oh, look, you're too big. You can't fight that guy." Uh, uh, Masato is supposed to fight Orono, but Masato is worried that Orono has hepatitis, so he doesn't want to fight him anymore. <laughs> so, so tomorrow you're going to fight Orono, who's a southpaw. Oh shit! Like, oh no, hepatitis southpaw, no less. It's like, yeah, so <laughs> like, I'm not worried about hepatitis. And if you win, it's for the world title too. Oh, so, Jesus. So, so, so not only is it uh, just randomly just throwing at me, but so now I'm fighting a southpaw <laughs> on, on 24 hours notice, who's who's my before that was my most painful fight I've ever had in my career, cutting me tw- 21 stitches before that. So uh, um, I, I get on the phone, a pay, pay phone that is, not the mobile, I get on the pay phone, <laughs> I ring Sang Ten, it's like, ah, oh, Sang Ten, we've got bad news. They've changed my opponent on me, they want me to fight Orono. He goes, oh, that's cool, that's awesome. Um, we can beat. We can. We can win this one. We can definitely win this one. I got a game plan. Um, I'll tell you tomorrow what it is. So tell Lil, tell Song Chai we're we're keen. So I go up and say, Yeah, no worries. I'll um, I'll take that fight. What were and you thinking on I'm the inside? Thinking, I'm gonna you? die. <laughs> I'm gonna die. So that Orono's gonna kill me again. He's gonna start growling in my ear again and scare the shit oh, out of me. Oh yeah. So yeah, he's giving me full death stares, and it's like, Ah, no, this is sucks. <laughs> this yeah. sucks. So I get back to the camp and it's like, Sang Tan, what's the game plan? He goes, oh, don't worry, I'll tell you in the morning. So yeah, I can't hardly sleep. Oh, fuck that. Yeah, oh, yeah, I can't, I can't sleep. I'm shitting my pants. Um, <laughs> the next morning I wake up. I say, like, okay, okay, what's this, what's this game plan? How are we going to do this? He goes, okay, so you're fighting a Southpaw. So tomorrow I want you, uh, no, t- tonight I want you to fight Southpaw. So yeah, it's like, ah, uh, slight problem. I've never trained Southpaw before. Ah, it's all right. It's it's just it's like it, it's just like Orthodox, just the other way. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, um, because if if you stand Southpaw 
Uh, your lead hand will be the hand that blocks Orono's um, left elbows. And, and and the way they'd explain it, it made sense, but at the same time, it's like, holy shit. Yeah, how am I going to do that? Seriously? So now, not only am uh, I, was not, I was petrified before, but now I'm just absolutely mortified that now he wants me to fight Sapple. So the whole, the rest of the day, and um, getting my hands wrapped, I'm just constantly thinking, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't fight Sapple. I can't do this. And, I, and then they, they lead me up onto the stage before the, by the other fight's still going. I'm thinking, I can't do this. Uh, maybe I'll do it for a round. If, and then if I'm losing, I'll just go back to orthodox. And then hopefully um, I'll just I'll do my best until it doesn't work. And then I'll just change. Mm. So I get up on the ring. Um, so now there's uh, 100,000 people in the park. Um, <laughs> and li- live on Thai TV, it's just like crazy. Um, do the Ramoy and bring us together. I've got to try and try and give him the death stares when the referee is telling us instructions. And then the fight starts. I go on the southpaw and then um, the first 30 seconds I throw a jab, I throw a leg kick, I block his kick, I come back with my kick. And it's like, so far so good. And wow. then um, the, the half the round, the round goes, I think, I think I'm winning. Oh and then God. um I ended up ended up dominating, I ended up winning every round in Southpaw Fuck and then, yeah, yeah, man. He didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, you. so uh halfway through the fight, the crowd stopped cheering. So when I knew it was silent, I knew that I was winning because everyone's like when Ar- when Arono fights, the crowd goes nuts, everyone. Arono, Arono, Arono. And then it was like and it's like oh, oh, they oh were shit. shocked. Yeah, it was crazy. And so, they had put all that money down yeah. there going, fuck you. So, yeah, so the, the, the end of the fifth round, they've awarded me the win. They put a re- world title oh, around my waist. Oh, shit, man. 100,000 well 100, people. Um, so we get back, to the, they get back to the change room. I've got the builder in my shoulder. And Seng Tin's like, um, all right, give the, the builder a kiss. So what for? Are they going to take it back? So what do you mean? Oh, you don't get to keep it. It's only for show. If you want it, you have to buy it. So what? Give it a kiss. It's like, oh. oh. <laughs> and then, yeah, I had to give it back to the kid that was waiting for it. And then, um, yeah, sure enough, I had the, I think it was about 500 Aussie. And they put your name on it and everything else. But still, you, it still sucks that you got to buy it. But, yeah, fine. But, um, yeah, it's cool. No man. way, man. So you conquered your nemesis. Yeah, so that's what made it even better. Winning a world title in, in Thailand is cool. But to have the backstory as well and to, to yeah. fight the guy that smashed you the first time and to get that revenge and to take his world title off him, yeah, it just made it so much more meaningful. Fuck, yeah. Well, that's an amazing thing. And, and like one thing that I don't understand about people is how we get through that doubt. Like right there up in that moment, every single thing was stacked against you. He'd already beaten you and it was the worst fight you'd had yet, mm. like the most painful fight you had yet. You were going to fight Southpaw. Yeah. You know that moment, like just before you walk into the ring, it's, it feels to me like everything builds up. Like the pressure's been building for six weeks, whatever, you're at fight camp, and then all of a sudden it's just that pivotal moment as soon as the bell rings it's like good thank god it's over but that thing i can't like i think there is something so incredibly powerful in the mind that you are able to silence those doubts and go i got this i can do this i'm gonna do it anyway do you feel like you just get caught in momentum do you hear that voice in your head saying get the fuck out of here yeah you just go no yeah once once the once the first bell ring and then the rest is just instinct yeah uh, muscle, muscle memory and then um and then once I knew I was sort of winning, and then the, the, I, I believed in myself, and the confidence grew because I was I was already in that moment. There was no no way I could doubt myself once I was actually going. Yeah. But before true. that though, yeah, the demons, holy crap, yeah. So the first time I did the King's Birthday was '97, and then uh, it was the first time that I walked in front of a hundred thousand people, and um, as far as I could see was just heads, 
uh, and then my, literally my my legs gave out of me as I was as I was holding the top rope <laughs> to, trying to seal the ring. It was um yeah, and then I was so intimidated by so many people that when the first bell went, I, I sort of went too crazy too early, mm. and then hit the halfway through the fifth round and, and just gas and he he threw me down a couple of times in the clinch, which cost me the fight. Damn. Um, so then. The, I was supposed to fight in 98, but they had some drama, so I missed out on that one. But, but 99 got to fight on the King's birthday once again. And uh, I just mentally told myself, I'm not going to get intimidated this time. How often does someone get to fight in front of 100,000 people? So this time I'm going to force myself to enjoy it. Yeah. So um, got up on the ring, took some big breaths. I started doing my, my ramway. And then um, I'm just looking out in the crowd going, this is amazing. This is so cool. Yeah. This is so cool. Um this is going to be me forever too, so may as well go in and put on a show. And then, uh, yeah, I ended up dominating that one. And then um, so then the year 2000 came and I was saying again, just crazy, just telling myself, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, enjoy it. Um, this is stuff that not many people get to achieve, so may as well try and win. Yeah, man. So, so I, did, I won the world title in the 2000. And the 2001, I went up in the ring and um, as I'm looking out into the crowd, I, I I could see a little spare a couple of little spare spots where people should have been standing up which they weren't. There's probably only ninety seven thousand people there that year. I think, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, where is everyone? What's <laughs> she's a bit quiet Dead. today. Yeah, it's a fucking great yeah. So so yeah, so once you once you do it a couple of times, then it's just, just another day. So now now it's sort of sad that um I'm addicted to it. I'm yeah. a, I'm, a, I'm addicted to crowds. The 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 bigger the crowd, the the more they shine. Yeah, which, which, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, so that's that that's you sort of have to force yourself to change that mentality. Yeah. And now what happens? So if you don't have that crowd, what does it feel like? Oh, it, yeah, it's it's I'm very lucky that as I still get the um with the Bellator, the Bellator is still pulling 15 yeah, to 20. Yeah, a good promotion. Man. Yeah, they're, 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 they're still on 15 to 20,000. And then um, K1, back when I was fighting K1, 2004, 2005, they were pulling close to 30,000 people in a stadium in Japan. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's still... Yeah, but isn't still that cool. funny that 30,000 would be small? Like, imagine yeah. 30,000 people in this room with yeah. us. <laughs> the, 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 the Japan one's crazy because um, it's a different, again, because their stage is... Is every time would I'd be more excited about seeing the um the walkout than I would the the stadium because the, the they'd spend like ten twenty grand on just the walkout. Wow. So so when I fought uh, Borkow the first time two thousand and four, got my hands wrapped, warmed up. All right, okay, you're next. Go get ready. So we we walked to the back of the stadium, and then the the usher that was took us to the back. He goes, okay, um, I need you to go stand over there, and I'm looking for the stairs to climb up. He goes. Oh no! You got to stand on that thing, and it was one of those ones where it lift, oh, lifts, li- lifts you through the to the floor, <laughs> yeah. like, um, like a like a little crane sort of sort of thing. Right. And then, um, yeah, as you, as you're coming through, all of a sudden, um, as you come through the the floorboards, all of a sudden you, you notice there's thirty thousand people in the stadium. So oh, that wow. was mind blowing. So so yeah, so it's normal. But um, yeah, I went to boxing, two thousand and one. And that's I, I did that for a year. Oh, true! Uh, I didn't know you did yeah, that. Yeah, I had uh, thirteen pro boxing fights, um, ten wins, ten knockouts. Fuck so, yeah! Yeah, so my three losses were all over twelve rounds on points and oh. in championship fights. Uh, but um, it, the boxing was fun, but it was sort of I was in RSLs fighting in front of a thousand people, and no matter how hard you fight. Uh, because it's an older crowd, the, the Muay Thai is a younger generation where everyone's having a few drinks and they get very loud and boisterous. 
Whereas in, in the boxing, you've you, you got a guy in the corner and you're going to town and you can hear knives and forks scraping on plates. Oh, yeah, yuck. it's like, ah, oh, this sucks. It's weird not it's having the time music. It's so weird. Every time I've seen a boxing fight now, I'm always like, ah, oh, it feels uncomfortable yeah. without that time music. You love that. Yeah. Like that sound just gets you, puts you in a whole different dimension. Yeah. And without it, yeah, you're right. Like you hear a pin drop yeah. and it's like, fuck, these two are going yeah. at it hard. <laughs> There's just nothing going yeah, on. Yeah, you want a bit of feedback to, to as enthusiasm. The more they f- give you feedback, the more harder you go through the thing. And when it's just dead quiet, it's like, ah, oh, come on. Oh, man, so, that'd be tough. So, yeah. What was the transition like physically? Going from kickboxing to to boxing, like, do you uh, find it was okay? It was um, okay. I, I've, my theory is fighting is fighting. Yeah. So if I take that same um, ferocious sort of I'm going to destroy people mentality into the boxing, is the same as the Muay Thai. Yeah, no one likes pressure. So yeah, I, I I take I take that same in your face style, nonstop, nonstop, and I just break people. Yeah. Um, yeah, my techniques, well, I probably wasn't the most um, skillful boxer, but just my tenacity is trying to just take people's will away to fight me back. Yeah. Um, so I had four guys give up on their stools. That, that they, they complained they had broken hands from, from punching my head. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, so out of the ten knockouts, four of them for, were from broken hands. Oh, shit. Yeah, crazy, Hard crazy. Head. Just duck that head Hard down. Head. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, Did cr- you find yourself where you were open to more body reps and stuff? Because we tend to have that that higher up style compared to a boxer, uh, no. easy enough to adjust to. Yeah, yeah. No, I've sort of been very lucky. Um, yeah, I, I picked up the boxing very fast. Oh, good shit. Um, the the bobbing and weaving and the transferring of body weight from back leg to front leg was probably oh, the hardest one. Oh, yeah. So I did I did eleven fights consecutive. No, no, sorry, I did. So it's the boxing started back in '98. Um, uh, I came back to Australia for Christmas and New Year's just to see mum and dad before going back over again. And then uh, Brad, a friend of mine, Brad Vicali, who's a, one of the main referees here in Australia, oh, yeah. he's like, "Hey, do you want to take a boxing fight for a 500?" It's like, "Yeah, yeah, for sure." Uh, just a four rounder. I think it was a hundred around back in those days. Um, uh, and then uh, I don't know, somewhere I got 500, but um, ended up knocking the guy out in the second round. And then say, hey, there's another boxing fight in two weeks. You want to do that one as well? Another 500 bucks? Yeah, for sure. Only four rounds. Uh, ended up knocking him out in the first. So now I've got a thousand bucks that I can use for spending money while I'm in Thailand for the next 12 months. Sure. So then it um, wasn't until 2001 that I decided I might do this boxing full time now. I've, I've, I've won two world titles in Muay Thai. I've, I've done everything I have to do. Um, the grass is greener in boxing, so I'll give that a crack. <laughs> And then, um, yes, I had uh, won my first another six. So I won my first eight all by knockout. And then the opportunity to fight in, in Sydney, had my first loss. Um, yeah, but the yeah, the boxing, just it, I, was, I was very lucky to fight on Fox Sports regularly oh, and, cool. and get a, and made a fast name in the boxing world here in Australia. But, um, yeah, so I, I, I could either have been a good Australian boxer or a worldwide Muay Thai star. Yeah. So it's like, oh, do I stay in Australia and just box in RSLs, or do I travel the world and and make less money, but um, be be more famous? So it's like, oh, screw it, I want to go back to Muay Thai again. So it is like, crazy how little money is in Muay Thai for how fucking hard it is and yeah. how skilled you have to be to do that well. It's yeah. crazy, man. But there's so many opportunities. Um, I was very lucky once I came back again. I, I got picked up by a company in Japan, the K1. And there was another company called Super League that was a European company. So I got to fight in France and England and Holland and um, Italy. Oh, cool. 
So yeah. What so are European fans like? How does it differ from Australian? Yeah, um, every, every country has a different sort of uh, feel. So I fought in Switzerland. I got the fight in Jamaica. I fought Borkow for the second time in Jamaica. That oh, was that, cool. was, that was bizarre. Um, Why? Oh, it was an outside promotion, but they were charging US dollars. And uh, Jamaica's like a third world country. Yeah. And yeah. Um, every, because we were there a week prior to the show just to get acclimatized. And every time we talked to someone, hey, do you, we're fighters, are you going to come to the event? They said, oh, that's like a month's wage. We can't afford to go there. Oh, damn. So the promoters were um, a, a Jamaican American. And so they set up the stadium to have um, outdoor arena with uh, outdoor. Um, uh, was it uh, stadiums, uh, uh, chairs and stuff? Oh, bleachers. Uh, bleachers, yeah. They hired the bleachers, and it was ten thousand people, and approximately only, only a hundred people went. Oh no! Yeah, so I, they had uh, ten fights, ten world titles. Uh, Nathan Corbett fought Spong. I fought Borkow. Every fight was like superstar, 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 <laughs> but no one could afford to go. So the only oh, hundred, the only hundred people that were there were all the people that flew in from America or flew in from overseas to watch the event. So. And then, um, yeah, it was a... It was oh, that a, would be so weird. It was so crazy. Hundred, So you're fighting Borka in front of 100 people <laughs> outside. Um, but, yeah, Jamaica was beautiful. It was such an amazing country. But How did that fight go? Uh, uh, so the first time I fought him was in Japan on the K1. So for three rounds, it was a draw. And then we had to fight an extension round. And then um, one judge gave it to me, then two gave it to Borka. Damn. And that's when he was just coming up too. So um, the, the show before that... Uh, I fought Dwayne Ludwig, and then I think he fought Jordan Ty. And that was the first time that Borka ever been overseas. And then Borka comes up to me like a little boy. Hey, John Wayne, I'm watching, watching you on TV. Um, can we hang out? What are you doing after the fights? Want to go to the this? Want to go to that? And then um, then the second time that we went over was now the eight-man. So we both qualified the eight-man, and I was fighting Borka first. And now 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 Borka had the glasses, had the leather jacket. Oh, and they say, yeah. hey, Borka, how are you going? And they wouldn't even wouldn't even why me or sawadi me or nothing. I was now the enemy. It's like, hang on a second, you're oh. the you're the cool little kid that, that was coming oh, up, and yeah. now now all of a sudden you're the superstar. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. And to this day, now and now he's um, out of control superstar. Gross. He's like uh, uh, David Beckham sort of level. Yeah. Yeah. And so I can't even. He won't even take. Won't even um, acknowledge me these days. But uh, what the it's, fuck, it's a bit man. a bit of a shame. But yeah, oh well. that sucks. Well, that's that thing. Like what we were talking about yeah, before. Yeah, like, yeah. how do you not buy into your own bullshit? Because I mean, you've got that many people around you telling mm. you're a king shit. You know. Oh. Like it's easy to start believing it. And it's, you know, that's what's so cool about you. And I've I've never seen you ever be that kind of person where you just fucking front to people. Because you don't have to. Like, why would you? Yeah. You know what I mean? We know you're a killer. Everybody does. Um, And it's good to see kids' faces light up too when you take the time to have a chat and get a photo. And that's um, that's what. And then if if, if you give them five minutes of your time, um, 20 years down the track, hey, you remember I was that kid that come up? It's like, I have no idea. Yeah. But they remember. They, 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 you take five minutes of your time and um, it, that sticks with them forever. Yeah. So that, that's, that's, that's the fun part of um, making a name in this sport anyway. Yeah, oh shit, yeah, man. Well, it's, I mean, it's crazy because of the amount of work that it takes to get to the level you got to is just stupid. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's what radiates out of people. I think Richie was saying that um, on the podcast a while back that like fighters, especially at that level, carry this kind of power. You know what I mean? You possess a certain power because of how much you know that you've worked to get to where you've got to. There's no luck in this sport, man. There's no. Uh, I disagree. Do you? Yeah, what do for you sure. Mean? 
Well, if I didn't meet Richard Vell, if if my my path in the cross with him, I wouldn't have got the opportunity to go to Thailand. And then the camp that that it, it so happened that Sang Ten Noi just happened to come to Australia to fight. If he didn't happen to come here, he wouldn't have met Richard. Richard yeah, wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have gone to his camp. And then if, how did you meet Richard in the first place? Uh, through a friend. So so me and uh, I was going to fight my very first Thai at uh, seventeen. And then a, a, a Paul Briggs's friend was a Thai. And then uh, he's like, oh, look, if you're going to fight a Thai, you need to be trained by a Thai. Otherwise, you're going to die. So I said, oh, sure, sure, for sure. So he introduced me to his friend who was a cook. And then he said, hey, look, I want to introduce you to this. Uh, I want to introduce you to my other friend who's got a restaurant. Um, you can go down to his restaurant and eat once a week. Oh, wow, my first sponsorship. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so that, and that was Richard. So I got to meet Richard and then... Um, he was like this over uh, charismatic sort of gentleman that was like just crazy and so uh, fun and exciting. And then, yeah, he, he just took me under his wing. And then when I moved to the surface, then he was just walking distance. So I used to go and once a week turn into every day, yeah. just sit in the back kitchen. And as he was preparing his chicken skewers and as he was preparing the food, um, I'd just sit on top of the fridge and just listen to stories. Oh, and then our, yeah, and then our bond just grew, and then. But that is also, I mean, who you are as a person. Like none of those opportunities would have come up for you if you weren't working hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? While you're training, people are seeing, and you're like, okay, well, you want to fight? Then we got to do this for you or help you out. Yeah. So it is, and it is also definitely like the kindness of people around you too. Like you put in the work, and people are going to be kind back to you, and you. D- Build those kind of relationships. Because I think, like, especially in this sport, it's fucking lonely yeah. when you're in the ring. And if you don't have those, like, solid relationships outside of the ring, it is scary. Like, I can imagine. Richie said once on a, <laughs> that he got left in Thailand. He was fighting, and then he didn't win the fight, and they were so disappointed in him. They just left him. Oh. And his, his gloves were taped on, so he couldn't yeah. do anything. Yeah. He had to pay a little Thai kid to cut his gloves off. Damn. Him. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> it's tough love, though. That it, makes you strong. Yes. Yeah. No, Thailand's yeah, it's such a such a crazy country. It's it's so cool. Um, and like you were saying at the start about being humble, um, you just you know that yeah, okay today I win, but I know there's fifty guys in waiting in line to to smash me. Yeah. So man. I can't I can't walk around pretending I'm the greatest thing that going because I know that my time will come. Um, okay, I win today. I'm happy. I'll, I'll celebrate this one. Yeah. But I know that when they announce my next one, it's going to be even scarier again. And then they announce the next one, and that's scarier again. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of um, uh, uh, you'd be so nervous, you'd get diarrhea and you'd vomit and you wouldn't be able to sleep. And and then the fight would come. And then once the bell rang, and then uh, it'd just be like. Because you build up these uh, gremlins in your head. Yes. You, you, Fuck, you, I know yeah. exactly what you mean. Yeah, you, totally. you make these people um, to be, if I do this, he'll do that. If I do this, he'll do that. He's too strong. But then once the fight starts, it's like, hang on a second. This is not too bad after all. Yeah. Until you fight Orono. Until, until you got some guy <laughs> growling. Oh, yeah, this is as bad as <laughs> yeah, I imagined. This is worse. <laughs> So, oh man, yeah. well that's awesome. I mean, what a great thing to conquer yeah. that mountain. Fuck. Yeah. Because that is the thing. I think everybody stops. When they hear those doubts in their head, it is so easy to think that they're real and stop. And yeah. the thing, and I used to do it all the time. Like I make artwork and I talk about this quite a bit that my, I, in my imagination of myself is like, oh, I'm never going to be good enough. Everyone else is better. I can't do it. I'm not good. And I just imagine that everyone else is better. So I might as well just not do it. And I would just, 
make stuff because I loved making it and then I just hide it in oh. my bedroom. Just never put it anywhere. And I've got done this for 15 years. And then uh, luckily because of Instagram, you have this like easy little way of like, okay, I'll just put one picture. Just like yeah. put it out there and then maybe people can see it. Maybe they don't. Who cares? But um, that kind of doubt was stopping me constantly. And I had no idea. I just thought that's who I was as a person. I just figured out oh, this is me. Then I started fighting and I was like, oh no, there's two of me inside my head. It sounds schizophrenic, but yeah. one of them is the doubt and the other one is the one that wants to do stuff. Yep. And when I hear the doubt now, I go, oh, you're the fucking doubt telling me I can't do things. Now I know I can because I've gotten the ring. I've fought through this feeling. I know this feeling. When it tells me I can't run this morning because I'm tired, I can. Yes. I know I can because I've done it. And it really took me having that feedback loop to know I could do things. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, yeah, it's good. Once you, once, I think, yeah, fighting changes people's mentality for sure. Because you know, whatever you set your mind to, whatever you want to achieve, is, it's going to be down to hard work and focus. Yes. So, yeah, if you, if you put it in, you can do anything. And then uh, hopefully it's not as painful as fighting, but hopefully you get to achieve <laughs> what you want to achieve. Yeah, man. Because yeah. you've done other stuff now too on the outside of that. Obviously with Muay Thai, and unfortunately because you just cannot make a good amount of money out of Muay Thai fighting, but you've done, you've opened your own gym here. You've yeah. got Bunchu. Yep. That place is going off all the hey. time. You just remodeled it too. You got yeah, a new ring in there, huh? No, it's very cool now. It's got a very good energy. Yeah, so, good. And then uh, I was very lucky to make okay money. Um, and then I've actually bought the building, so I've always oh, got that, I've got that investment now as well. So when the time comes on, I do have to hang them up. At least I've, I've invested in bricks and mortar. So yeah. I've got something to show for the end of my career instead of just scratching my head, going, "What do I do now?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <And what? laughs> a, a lot of fighters they they make it to the top, and then they they don't open the gyms, and then once they retire, then they've got nothing to fall onto. Well, at least I've got my gym. Um, I can always do PTs and private lessons and classes and. Um, I'm very lucky to do seminars around the world as well. I've been invited yeah. to a lot of the countries, so um, that's always fun. Always meeting new people, and but no matter where you go, it's always the same passion. It's always the same sport. Yeah, and man. then um, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's so much fun meeting people that 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 do the same hobbies that you do as well. Yeah, fuck yeah. Do you feel like um, a lot of your life will change when you stop fighting? Yeah, uh, yes, and that's very scary. I bet. Uh, so forty-two. I had a with my boxing. I've had 145 fights all up, um, and then the idea of retiring scares the shit out of me. I bet it does. So it's like, what do I do? I've been I've been training since I was 11, um, and this is all I know. And I know I know I can make really good money from fighting as well. But my body's starting to sort of tap me on the shoulder now, going, "Hey, you're broken <laughs> in multiple <laughs> places." Um, so yeah, it's tough. And then. It, how, how do you uh, fulfill that rush of walking out in front of like the 100,000 people or fighting on TV or making the magazines? Yeah. Um, it, it's fun to be a trainer and it's fun holding pads and it's fun watching the young guys come through and, and get to live the dream that you live but to, to let it go and not be that guy anymore, it's um, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a major readjustment. Yeah. Fuck. But um, yeah, well, I'll work it out when I get there. But yeah. for now, I'll try and squeeze out a few more fights first. Uh, hey, you got to get that hundredth win, right? Yeah, everyone keeps saying, "Hey, you've done so much in the sport. What's left to achieve?" It's like uh, it's just it's like climbing Mount Everest. So imagine Mount Everest with no summit. You just keep climbing, keep climbing, and every step you take is a little bit further to the legacy. So yeah. and then um, yeah, you want to you want to climb so high and then put your flag in that no one can ever reach that same summit that you've reached. So uh, I want to I want to. 
and then the, the, my thing is about legacy too. So Raymond Decker's died at a, a very young age, and then um, I still classify him as like the ultimate hero. Yeah. So when I when I pass, I want people to look back upon my career and and hopefully um, not be forgotten. So so. Well, it'd be hard to forget at this point. Hey. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the goal is to um to be immortal in the sport of Muay Thai. Right. And what do you think you need to do to get there? Uh, just just keep being happy and positive. Yeah. And um, yeah, just being a, a light for the young kids to show them that uh, anything is possible with with hard work and determination. Yeah, fuck yeah. Do you have anybody major that you want to fight to get to that point? Oh, no, at the moment. Um, so every win, every win is just another win now. Yeah. Uh, I've, I fought everyone I wanted to fight, and I fought all over the world, and I've done everything I wanted to achieve. So now everything from this point on is just a bonus. Yeah, good. Yeah, so, yeah. That's a nice way of looking at it, too, because it takes the pressure out of you. You know, like if you have something that you're like, oh, I must get this, I must get this, you know, it can get yeah. toxic. That feeling of just loving it and yeah. every time just getting in there. Do you still feel like you're learning things? Uh, oh, for sure. But, um, yeah, that, I've, I, once upon a time I was the guy that was chasing. I wanted to be the next Raymond. I wanted to I wanted to fight number eight. I want to fight the champion. I want to fight this guy. I want to fight that guy. And now I sort of blink my eyes and now all of a sudden I'm the guy that everyone wants to beat up. So somehow <laughs> yeah. or rather something happened where the flip of the coin – and now, yeah, I'm the I'm the target all of a sudden. It's like, damn it. Yeah. So yeah, before before I knew it, um, you're the mountain that they're yeah, trying to climb. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So I'm I'm very lucky that um, I've, I've walked as close as I can to Raymond Decker's shoes. Yeah. So hopefully, um, and it's cool too. People go to Thailand and they come back from the Thailand. And say, hey, the Thai, all the Thais were talking about you. As soon as I said I was from Australia, everyone's saying, oh, you know John Wayne, you know John Wayne. So cool. shit, people still remember me over there. I go, yeah, yeah, you're still massive. And then uh, my friend went there and he's, one of the young Thai kids, oh, John Wayne's my favorite fighter as a Thai for having a Westerner as a favorite fighter. So what the hell? Fuck yeah, So man. And yeah, and with the internet as well, the internet's crazy. The social media is um, so cool to be able to um, just have a profile and just be somebody before, yeah. the, before the internet is impossible. You're funny too. You're yeah. funny as fuck. It's, it's yeah. so good. I love your Instagram, man. Yeah. I've, I've laughed so much. That was great. Like the one that you just lost that fight recently, a decision loss, uh, was it? Yes. And then you kept putting your face yeah. on everything. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's great. Yeah. If anyone's to follow an Instagram page, definitely follow yeah. yours. What is it again? Uh, John Wayne Pa. Just John Wayne Park. John Wayne Park. Yeah, so. cool, man. And you've got a Facebook page too, but you, do you do much on your Facebook page? I've oh, never yeah, seen yeah. much so on there. I've got an athlete page where it's um, John Wayne Park as well. So I think that, that's close to 200,000 people as well. Yeah, good shit. So, yeah, and it's just fun. I, I, it's, it's either fighting or laughing, one of the two, and they're both pretty close to each other. Yeah. Yeah, so. Definitely. And being able to take the piss out of yourself is uh, probably one of the best things. I think, honestly, I think everybody should be able to do it. We, You can take a punch and you can take the piss out yeah. of yourself. Like, those two things are probably, like, the best thing for yeah. people. Oh, for to sure. just keep themselves real, you know what I mean? Be a normal, real human being. Yeah. There's nothing that... That puts me off more than when someone's like kind of putting on a front to you. And it almost always comes down to insecurity. Yep. And I think when somebody doesn't have anything to hide because they're able to take the piss out of themselves or they're, you know, they know that they've put in the work. I kind of know what I'm doing. I know what failure feels like. I know what winning feels like. And it's all the same. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Everyone goes through the same emotion. And when you, when you can relate to people with a loss as well, I know what it's like to be um, knocked out. I know what it's like to be cut. I know what it's like to be... I know the joys of winning too. So, yeah. Um, yeah, everyone can relate. Everyone that's in the sport can relate. And I'm, I'm, yeah. So, 
it's fun. I love the the whole the whole thing. Yeah, man. And um, yeah, trying to push the kids. The the kids are our future. So if you can be that that little inspiration, or even the old people, old people my age see me fight, and they're like, "Hey, I'm forty. I'm I'm thirty six. Um, is it too late to to have a fight?" So go for it. Yeah. You got you got to make your own memories. Even if you don't get to the title stage, who cares? You get to for for nine minutes or or five rounds or whatever you want to do. Um, you always look back at that time you've, you had those three or four, or ten fights, and uh, they will be cherished. You yeah. take take them to the grave. Yeah, yeah, man. There's nothing like it. It's a crazy experience. A, a thousand people screaming your name for for the that night is um, that stuff. There, unforgettable. Yeah, yeah. You don't get to doing the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it was great talking to you, man. Hey, We've been yeah. talking for just over an hour, so I'll let you get back to your life. Thanks heaps for talking to me. And um, so if people want to find you, it's at yeah, John Wayne Parr. John Wayne, John Wayne Parr. Cool. Two, two R's, two R's. Two R's. To the R, like a pirate. John, John Wayne Parr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's a good Instagram account. So I'll put the links on there for that. Anything else you want to tell the people before we go? Uh, thank you so much for listening to my craziness. Uh, yeah, and if you're the one person that's out there and you're thinking about training, do it. The, um, the hardest part about Muay Thai is walking to the gym for the first time. Yeah. Once you walk in and realize that everyone's normal and everyone wants to help you, um. Uh, yeah, every, everyone, everyone's in the same boat. Everyone has to start somewhere. Yeah. So I, I'm very lucky to own a gym, and then I get to teach people from the very start. And then I tell everyone all the time, it's like it's, it's the first class. Who cares? You're allowed to make mistakes. You're allowed to be confused because it's it's not easy. And then the more consistent you are, and the more you come in, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, it becomes a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And then you can't wait to get into to the gym and and get a little bit fitter than you were yesterday, a little bit more stronger. Um, a little bit more technical, and then, and then before you know it, you're dominating the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of us. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Ethan. Thank you. Thank you.